Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. No, I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing... Sammy, what are we reviewing? Well, you know, it's the holiday season, so we thought we would uh, throw in our next holiday Christmassy type movie, correct, gentlemen? And we're going to go with um, 2003's Elf. As long as it's not the Star Wars holiday special, I'm happy. <laughs> you have already lived through that horror. That's right. You, you've survived. You have the t-shirt, you know, the whole night. So. Uh, onward and upward. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I mean, and I, I think, I, I mean, this is a little, little, little bit of a look behind the scenes. I think this is a movie I'd sort of campaigned for, um, for us to do this, this uh, holiday season. And, um, I mean... It's a strange movie in a lot of ways, and yes. the the conceit of it is so bizarre. You know, this giant dude thinks he's an elf. Santa's real, and he thinks he's an elf, and somehow has never gotten the hint that he's not an elf, you know? <laughs> and he goes south to find his dad. I mean, it's such a strange conceit for a movie. Yeah, very different. I actually missed this movie the first few years it was out. I didn't watch it probably... Oh, I would say 2014-ish. Really? Maybe, yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't know why. It was just one of those things that just kept falling under the radar. Always something else was there. So when I seen it, finally, I was like, wow, why have I always missed this? Why did this not come further up to me faster? Uh, this is such a fun movie. Will, yeah. Will Ferrell's hit or miss with me. He uh, he either does really great or really poorly. And I, I think that was maybe one of the reasons I was afraid of it. But it is so beloved. I should have known. Uh, but uh, yeah, you have some great characters in here. Will Ferrell as the elf buddy, of course. <laughs> uh, James Caan as uh, his father. Bob Newhart. Um, who is a really phenomenal uh, comedian. Uh, you know, you have some classic folks, Edward Asner here, and we have the lovely Mary Steenburgen and Zoe Deschanel um, on there, Amy Sedaris. And this is a, is this a relatively early role for uh, Peter Dinklage? Thanks. This is the first time I remember seeing you. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think this was kind of an early thing for him, but he has just taken pop culture and started by storm. Uh, yeah, and I think too. I mean, this is such a memorable. Like, it wasn't a big role, and it wasn't like a like a whole lot of screen time. But man, it sticks out. Like you remember that. Scene. Oh, definitely. My, my memory of him is much larger than him or the role in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, and I guess I'm kind of like Dwayne. I was late to this movie. And wow. a lot of it is because of Will Ferrell. I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan. Hmm. Uh, and the idea of him playing an elf, I think at first I was a little <laughs> reticent about. It is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I did come around to watching it. And, and it is, you know, it, it's 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 this pastiche. It really is. It's a pastiche is what it is. It's this rolled up, you know, kind of here's all of Christmas tied in with between, you know, every holiday special you can think of except the Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Hallmark rom-coms, everything just rolled into one movie. And that's what makes it fun, I think. That is what makes it fun. And they're not afraid of that. They roll with it. Yes. I mean, yeah. they completely own it. That's that's the beauty of this movie is it, it recognizes what it is and, and it, it owns it. And it does it very well. It doesn't do it cliche. I mean, like you said, you've got the holiday specials. You've got the, uh, you know, the stop motion snowman out there. You've got mm -hmm. the animated animals as he's leaving the North Pole. Yeah. You know, you've got him, uh, you know, not keeping up with the Christmas time quota of, of making. Only made 85 edges. edges, edges that's today. right. <laughs> Really, 915 behind. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Why don't you just say it? But I, I think the difference here is is not just the cast because the cast is better than any Hallmark movie, you yeah. know. But it's that I mean, John Favreau, right, yeah. is Directing. is behind the camera, you know, and and how versatile is this guy? Yeah. I mean, you know, we we have uh, you know Elf, we have The Mandalorian, we have Iron Man, we have uh, you know, what's the cooking movie he did? 
and uh, I mean, there's rounders, all these great movies of, of his. Yeah, and you know, and I think he brings a heart to whatever he does. There, there's, there's his own take on it, and I think you can definitely tell this is a John Favreau movie. Yeah, definitely, entirely. All right, guys, I think it's time for some grades. All right. Yeah, definitely. Dwayne, what's your grade, man? Um, I wrestled a lot with this grade. I went from, um, I went on all sides of it. I'm, I'm going to give this a solid in the middle A. Okay. All right. Um, I also went back and forth, and I just wasn't really sure what to go with. You know, I think sometimes I overinflate or underinflate, depending if I really like it or not. I really think I do that, unfortunately. Uh, so actually, with this one, I'm giving it a B plus. He made me watch the holiday special, then he gave help for B plus. <laughs> I'm going A plus, guys. I'm going A plus. All right. And never hesitated, didn't think twice. I unabashedly love this movie. Um, I know we joke a lot about Die Hard. <laughs> uh, this is probably my favorite holiday movie uh, for the whole Christmas season. Um, I love it. I get emotional at weird moments. <laughs> it got dusty a couple of times in the room. Um, the the singing at the end is cheesy. Yep. It's dumb. I cry every time. When James <laughs> Conn starts singing, I'm done. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but um, I just I love it. And there's I think there's so much cynicism in so much of pop culture today, yeah. and there's so much snark in everything. This movie, there's just it's completely absent. Yeah. And I think there's something about that that sneaks past all of the little things I would nitpick in another movie. You know, and, and it's similar to what we talked about when we reviewed Princess Bride. Yeah. You know, we said it it is what it is and it revels in it. Yeah. And I think this movie is the same way. Yeah. So and I think that's where the uh, I think a little bit of the difference in grade is. Me and Sam has maybe not spent as much time with it as you seem to yeah. be an early adopter of it, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is something like I said, probably within the last five years. You know, that I've really been introducing into my Christmas routine, and uh, you know, my Christmas routine with movies is kind of crowded. <laughs> so this one is though edging out others uh, to make to make its own space, and it's doing that on its own merit. It's, yeah, it's I, I've only got a couple that we watch every year. Uh, this one, uh, Scrooged. A lot of cynicism in that one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I joke about Die Hard. It's not in the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. It's not a holiday movie I can watch with my family. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's they're not all in Fort the way I am. Yeah, we. I actually got to watch Die Hard. Die Hard with my family the other day. It was on TV, so we got a bunch of TV edited. <laughs> there you uh, go. We were visiting some folks. Uh, we were visiting some family, and uh, during some downtime, we just kind of crashed on it because oh, Die Hard's on, and so we we watched it and we're like, oh wow, this is so much fun. See, I, see, I think you guys both have some um, some Will Ferrell reluctance. Um, see, I saw this movie early on and fell in love with it, and I think it broke down all of my Will Ferrell barriers. Okay. <laughs> so maybe easier. I, I'm more accept some of his like outlandish things he does. I'm more easier. I've already seen him be Buddy the Elf. Right. And lock it. So well, everything else is a pretty easy sale. <laughs> yeah, where else can you go from that? Yeah. That's all right. Well, with that, gentlemen, are we ready to get out the fan in the pans? Let's do that. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other, but love comics. Alright, Sammy, you gave this thing a B plus. I did. Ca- Captain Negativity over there. <laughs> so tell us something you bah, actually like about humbug. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's your fan? You know, I'm going to be honest. The first thing that got me that I really loved, I loved the opening with Bob Newhart. Okay? And part of that is, and I don't know if anybody else felt this, this is the Christmas version of Concerning Hobbits. <laughs> when Bilbo opens up talking about hobbits and things like that, this is Papa Elf talking about the elves themselves. And to me, this is a Concerning Hobbits moment. And especially when they even bring in the Keebler elves. Yeah. Okay? 
because I've got a special place in my heart for the Keebler Elves because I dressed as Ernie two different times <laughs> at two different Walmart openings during my college years while working for Keebler. So I did get a kick out of that. So that's definitely going to be my first pan. It's the concerning hobbits moment for me. I hadn't connected those dots, but you're not wrong. That's what's happening there. Yeah, it, he tells you, yeah, that's probably one of my most favorite things about this movie is the intro. I mean, just as much as loving Bob Newhart as, a, as an actor, um, as a comedian, you know, he, he does. He says, this is what, this is what we're dealing with. This is, this is the situation. And he lays it out beautifully, and it, it's, the movie just flows from there. Then you have the beautifully animated intro. You know, that's that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Classic. But I think having Bob Newhart narrated in his dry, matter-of-fact way makes it easier to just roll with it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I think it was brilliant to have Bob Newhart in that role. Yeah, because it's not over the top. Yeah. He's not playing it subdued. He's just... Okay, guys. Here's what we're dealing with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's one of the great things there. Uh, Dwayne, what's your first thing? Now, aside from the uh, uh, Sammy has already taken my intro, uh, (laughs) uh, something else I was a big fan of is you know just how much uh, fun the cast seemed to be having on this, Uh, from Will Ferrell running around New York. City, um, you know, just just an amazement at everything, and from the heart that we see, you know, in, in like the, the, the dinner scenes and the, in the interactions, uh, you know, with parental things, these guys, you know, they really owned their roles. They really owned what they were trying to sell. I mean, just so just the the acting, the way that was directed, you know, the the joy that is portrayed on screen. I want to highlight Will Ferrell's performance here. Um, If he isn't so insanely all in Mm -hmm. as Buddy Dale, this movie doesn't work. Doesn't work at all. I mean, like the scene when he finds out Santa is coming to Kimball's. Santa, (laughs) I know him. I mean, if if there's less buy-in for moments like that, this movie will not work and it's going to be garbage that's forgotten by the next Christmas yeah it does uh, not work Jim you had you had that intonation perfect <laughs> just then by the way <laughs> perfect <laughs> see you a few times um, if there wasn't a mic in front of my face I could end at the same volume too <laughs> but um, it just and it's not just him it's also Zoe Deschanel if yeah. she doesn't play Joby just so strangely right. just right mm-hmm. um then that relationship, you don't buy it. Right. Why does she like this weirdo? I mean, he's clearly a crazy person. Why is she going on a date with him? But because Jovi is such an oddball. Because, and, and Zoe Deschanel is kind of an offbeat actress anyway. But she plays Jovi in a strange way. Like, not, not crazy, but like she's eccentric. Yeah. So maybe she's open to this other eccentric type person. That's another uh, fan of mine is uh, Zoe Deschanel's uh, acting uh, her, her character through here she's just that quirky and i yeah. think that is where she excels yeah uh, in in roles like that she just kind of has that offbeat you know you know i spoke about her mary steamer being like the the classic beauty you know the, the gorgeous women in this role she's kind of got that offbeat you know beauty where it's not typically traditional it's just kind of something is different but it makes it that much more special and uh you know she's so innocent you know in this and she's just like is this guy for real or is he like really crazy (laughs) (laughs) but you know uh kind of uh, foreshadowing you know one of my one of my awards later you know she's the one though living in an apartment you know in a department store uh you know work area you know there yeah and, and she and it's an interesting way she plays that because she's clearly like you're talking about the innocent kind of vibe she gives off, yeah. but she's clearly got some baggage. I mean, there's some stuff that's happened right. to her. I mean, she's experienced some stuff. Yeah. And but she still maintains. But she's that. still a pure heart. Yeah. 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 She's still a pure heart. That's that's one of the cool things. Yeah. 
Back to you, Sammy. All right. Um, you know, and you, you, we've all kind of alluded to this, the idea of the supporting cast in this movie. And that's to me, is a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do look at the likes of, of Zoe Deschanel and Mary Steenburgen and Ed Asner, Andy Richter, even Ralphie himself, Peter Billingsley is in this thing. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. How much more Christmassy can we get without putting Ralphie in there? Come don't, on. Don't forget Kyle Gass. Of, yeah, exactly. Of uh, Tenacious D. Yep. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, the, just the fact that, that, you know, Will Ferrell is surrounded by all of these different people who bring different things. And, and you know, that's not even counting James Caan and, and, you know, Bob Newhart. I mean, just these kind of other people that are placed around. You know, I think it just really makes, I mean, even down to, you know, Gimbel's manager, you know, I mean, he is, I don't know his name in terms of acting and that's bad podcasting. I should have already known that. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I just, I loved him when when he comes up and he's like, somebody's trying to take my job. (laughs) You know, they brought in a professional, (laughs) you know, kind of deal. Right. Faison Love is the actor. Yes, and there we go. And he is credited simply as Gibble's manager. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, but you know that... Password is Santa's got a brand new bag. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that, just that supporting cast is something that I just think works so well in this movie. Yeah. It's uh, it's really well edited. You know, it, it doesn't feel like I know some of our Christmas movies uh, that we've looked at you know, famously, uh, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation just seems like sketch after sketch after sketch lined up. But this one actually has a much easier flow. You know, the, the editing, uh, I think, uh, the way it was put together is, is really good, too. It's tight, too. It's a 90-minute movie. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not, yeah, there's not a lot of fat. That might come up again in pants. Slight little thing there. Um, I've got a weird uh, fan lift. It's a strange little thing. I adore the Central Park Rangers. <laughs> They're so absurd. That was just something crazy, yeah. And did you all get a Black Riders? That Lord is my second Lord of the Rings <laughs> reference. The way that Favreau filmed that scene, it feels like the Black Riders chasing Arwen into Rivendell. <laughs> and they even pumped in all that mist they to did. make it look like you're Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That was on my fans list also. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. It's absurd. They don't make any sense. There can't be such a thing as the Central Park Rangers. I love it. Yeah, that was a, that was a ton of fun. Um, one of my last uh, fans, and it's kind of expounding a little bit upon the, the beginning there when we have uh, Will Ferrell leaving the uh, elf, you know, the North Pole uh, village up there, and he comes across the the talking cartoon animals and the and animated snowman, you know, and what those are calling back to with mm-hmm. our Christmas specials, that those are actually a thing, you know, in, yeah. in the North Pole that are still there. It just makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he must be a South Pole elf. <laughs> well, that's a little later. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you were talking about that. You've got what Leon Redbone the snowman, uh, yeah. as playing Leon the Snowman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think even the polar bear is Ray Harryhausen. Really, does the voice, I believe, of the I polar didn't bear. Know that. Yeah, uh, and what it was is they had approached him to talk about stop motion animation and how to do those types of things, and he was so interested in it, they offered him a speaking role. Wow. And so he is, I think I think it's the polar bear that he's the voice of. So the narwhal was my favorite, though. I love the narwhal. <laughs> it's so random. I love it. Yep. I think, I mean, big picture, I think the thing that, that really just makes this movie special is just the heart of it. Because it's a ridiculous movie. Yeah. I know it is. <laughs> it's a ridiculous premise. Um, ridiculous characters, but... It's just so good-natured, and and there's just, I don't know, just, the world we live in today is pretty cynical, and it's pretty um, disheartening, and to see something like this that has such a good heart about it, and and there are people that could really be like Buddy the Elf, and like really care about people, and really be interested in other humans. I mean, that's just, it's, it's, you don't experience that a lot in any kind of media or 
and most are flat. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just makes it special. Yeah, just like you said, there's so much, and for a movie this, you know, with simple heart, to mm-hmm. to make it through and, and still be uh, uh, so popular, it's it's a beautiful thing. So you know, we've we've fanned around this movie a bit. I know uh, Jamie has this movie at an A plus, Sammy at a B plus, me at an A. So what are some lacking? What are what are some pans we need to clink at this thing, guys? Okay, they're looking at me. I think I think they're maybe thinking I might not have any. Um, I don't have a lot. Okay. <laughs> I didn't give it an A plus. Um, I think the editing is really good, but there's a few scenes showing. Um, like there are things they were setting up that for whatever reason got cut. Um, and I don't know why, because it's, I think it's very clear from like the first, like first act of the movie, there was more to Jovi's story, um, because she doesn't sing in public, clearly gifted singer. She's got training. There was something there that was set up for it. And then to have the big meaningful thing at the end where she clearly very frightened and nervous gets up on the, on the the carriage and sings in front of the whole crowd and clearly is nervous about doing it and does it was this big victorious moment. We never know why that was a problem. You know, it's never explained why Joby was afraid to sing in public. Hmm. And I feel like there's something there's something that got cut there. Like that should have been like a, just a, another scene, another conversation would have made that an even more powerful moment for for Joby's part of the story. Right. But it's not there. So I feel like there's something missing there that, that would have made that even more meaningful for her. Maybe not for Buddy's story, but for Joby's story. And I don't know why that's missing, but it feels like it's a little bit lacking. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that that really is probably one of the only, you know, pans, you know, there's such a beautiful story. Yeah. But there's just a couple little, like you said, there's just a couple little tales that aren't quite tied up. Yeah. In there. Yeah. A, few, a few loose threads. That, yeah. that's, the, that's the big one that sticks out to me. You know, I think with, with Jovi, by, you know, even maybe having a line from Ed Asner's Santa to Buddy could have maybe even given some, just, just a couple lines to say, oh, I remember her, you know, when, you know, she stopped believing because of, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I mean, just a little bit there could have could have given us yeah. a little bit more emotional impact and ga- given us a little bit more understanding of her as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Entirely. And, I mean, if, I mean if, if I'm still going big picture, like loose threads, I feel like there was something missing with the James Conn story, too. Um, just something like some little something. I feel like there was a, like a like a something we like a hurdle we jumped that should have been explained. Yeah, as much as we gather from his acting, as much as we've gathered from his expressions and and, the, and you know all that he can do without even saying a word. Yeah. You know, just like you said, there was just those little things that are like, okay, this turn was a little too fast. That was a little too simple. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, just because it feels like there was like some things. some moment that happened that we missed that made him turn to this sad um, man who lost himself in his work. And it feels like there was some moment that something happened and we never find out what it was. And it feels like that was there was a setup. That we're, we're getting the, all the results of the setup that we didn't get. Right. There was like right. That, something missing there. You know, I think one of my pans comes in on the opposite side of that also. I think we get very similar to in... Uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas, where the Grinch has that quick change, and you know his heart grows three sizes. I think we see that with James Caan's character. The change is really quick. It's almost like from one scene, it's you know, hey, I got to work, and then the next scene, he's telling his boss off. You know, and it's like w- that change is very quick. You didn't get, you know, you there are all these breadcrumbs where they're laying out, you know, things that could change his character as far as an arc, you know, but it happens so quickly. You know, I think that's, that's probably one of my pans in terms of that. It, it is fast. Um, I roll with it because I like James Caan. Yes. I, I, I know he's I mailing it in for like half of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> At least. Yeah. But I, 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 I like him. I think I've seen him in too much stuff and I just like him. Um, but yeah, it is, that's a rapid turn. Yeah, and and it feels like there's might be another a little sliver something missing because he's still kind of like at the park, still a little not bought in yet. Right. Whereas at you know at his office, 
he was already like, take this job and shove it, you know, yeah. I'm out of here. But he's still reluctant to believe in everything once he gets mm-hmm. there. He's the last guy to start singing, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I don't know. Just slight but, little yeah, things yeah, it's, there. Yeah, it's a I little, think. little something off. There. Yeah, because I mean, come on, the, the man who did not care about the puppy and the pigeon <laughs> is not going to make that big of a turn. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's two pages, man. Come on, <laughs> come on. We're going to take a tank on that. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, since we have gushed and had a few little nits to pick on this uh, lovely Christmas movie, we're ready to decorate the tree and maybe hang a few awards. All right, and we are back for those awards. The uh, portion of our show that that I know I think we all look forward to and I think our listeners do. You know, what do we, what strikes us as the best in this movie? So we're going to start out with best performance. So, uh, Jamie, you want to start us out? What do you think would be best performance? Okay, I'm going to go with the obvious one here, and I'll let you guys pick something else. (laughs) It's Will Ferrell. Um, if if he gets this wrong, and I've already said this, I've, I, I'm repeating the point. If he gets this wrong by a millimeter, nobody sees this movie in 2019 or in 2004. Yeah, <laughs> it's gone. Um, but he is so, I mean, so all in on being Buddy the Elf, this six three goofball who really <laughs> believes he's an elf. Um, that it works, and if it if it didn't work, it it's not just a forgotten movie; it's a travesty yeah. of a movie. The whole thing is just terrible, and it becomes a farce. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dwayne, what are you thinking? <clears throat> well, I believe uh, Jamie has the correct answer. The best performance uh, has to be—I mean, you have to have Will Ferrell being, you know, like that absurd of a character. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't sell it. You know, you're not buying a ticket, and you know he he sold it. He owned it. He's got it. He wrote it home. He sold it. Yeah. You know, I, I agree definitely. I think performance goes to Will Ferrell, um, and it's one of those things that you know, especially at this time, he was a big name. I mean, he was a draw. So we've all seen those movies that the star draws you in, and you walk out going, "Oh my gosh." He, yeah, I agree with you all completely. He had to sell this. He had to totally lock, sock, and, and, and both barrels go into this thing. Because if it wasn't for that, in all honesty, I mean, look how much this is. It's been a Broadway play. <laughs> so, I mean, come on. I mean, this is something. So, he, if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't work. And, and if he was even for a second doing the Adam West looking at the camera like, yeah. I know this is ridiculous. Oh yeah. Then it falls apart still. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to play this uh, wholeheartedly. There cannot be a wink. Yeah. No, I mean, you've got to play it straight. It cannot be satire. It cannot be anything along those lines, or it, it falls apart. But I think I think we should mention though the Bob Newhart's role in this. It's such a crucial role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as important as Will Ferrell, um, but the seriousness that Bob Newhart takes the North Pole. And the dry, matter-of-fact, this is just the way reality is up here, you know? <laughs> it sets the tone, and I, it, it can't be as important as Will Ferrell's part. We'll get there, Jamie. Yes. <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> all right. Uh, best scene, then. Sammy, what was, your, what was your best scene? Okay, I think we've, we've all maybe alluded to this a little <laughs> bit as far as the best scene. Um of every scene in this movie, the one that sticks out to me the most is Buddy and Miles Finch, <laughs> Peter Dinklage, in the boardroom. When when Buddy goes, he's an angry elf. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the back and forth between those two and then what ensues. 
to me that that's just the best scene. I mean, I, I laugh every time. It it's sometimes cringeworthy in some ways, <laughs> but that's definitely going to be my best scene. I agree one thousand percent. It is the most memorable <laughs> moments in this in this movie. I mean, just it, I mean, from the time he walks in the room and sees Peter Dinklage and the way his face responds <laughs> from that moment until Peter Dinklage tackles him. <laughs> It's magic. <laughs> Absolutely magic. So is that yours too, Jamie? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, even though that is um, a great scene, and, I'll, and we'll come back to that one a little bit later as well. <laughs> um, my favorite scene, or, or well, the best scene, you know, is when Buddy decorates the store. And you see the, the reaction scene. of, you know, Zoe Deschanel and the staff, you know, oh, it's so magical. It's, and then and then the manager comes by, somebody's good for my job. You know? <laughs> it's just, just the, the dichotomy there, you know, you, you got like these different viewpoints and uh, we're just trying to figure out what it is. I, I really enjoyed that scene. That's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. That was the only other scene I debated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I could help you out there. So we have next best character. Best character. Now, I know we've had best performance already with Will Ferrell. I want to go first here and say the best character, I think, is the Bob Newhart character, Papa Elf, because he does carry so much of the weight of the movie. Um, you know, he, he carries the heart of the North Pole. Um, you know, we have to buy Will Ferrell as an, a person who thinks he's an elf, who thinks he's a, and just absurdity in New York City. But, you know, we have Bob Newhart's straight, deadpan performance of, yep, I'm at the North Pole. Yep, I'm an elf. Yep. Managing the workshop. And it's, you know, it's what it is. And I love when he goes back and explains how the slave works now. That people don't believe. And just, this, he's so just matter-of-factly. Yeah, yeah, the yes. magic is yeah, The Christmas is spirit's not, yeah. gone now, so now we've got this now rocket got underneath it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I worked on this baby. And, and, and that's such a beautiful, that's such a beautiful yeah. part, too. You know, and, and he's just so honestly, like, you know, unfortunately, this is what we've come to. It's yeah. such a crucial role. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of best character, I, I have to echo, you know, it was, it was Papa Elf. Um, you know, I think... You know, when you think of Bob Newhart, you know, he has such a dry humor and it it works perfectly with Will Ferrell's over the top buddy. And and they play each other and they balance each other well with those two personalities. And I love yeah. Bob Newhart anyway. You know, I mean, showing my age, you know, I, I've watched Bob Newhart, you know, both of his shows at, you know, <laughs> off and on growing up. Um, he was Professor Proton on The Big Bang Theory, and he always plays this dry character, and it just worked so well with this. So yeah, he's probably my uh, my best character. And one thing I didn't realize, he was a stand-up mm-hmm. before he had the show. Yeah, amazing. Uh, Go ahead, Jamie. Well, I mean, I I want to say Buddy Elf, but I've already given Will Ferrell the best performance, so I, I want to <laughs> highlight someone else. I'm gonna go with Jovi. Um, because she's such a counterpoint to Buddy. Because Buddy is so hopeful and over the top, joyous, and everything is his favorite. Smiling is the man's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and but she's this counterpoint because there's, I mean, she's got that kind of wide-eyed, innocent thing going on. There's also a sadness to Joby mm-hmm. that, um, that she, number one, that's a good performance. I mean, Zoe Deschanel does a good job, but it's also this this counterpoint. To Buddy, in the same way that we we needed we needed dry, matter of fact, Bob Newhart, North mm-hmm. Pole. We needed, you know, eccentric, slightly sad Jovi yeah. to be the the counterpoint to to Buddy in New York. Um, so I really like Jovi's role here. Yeah, I really love that each character, each actor has their own real estate. Yeah. You know, in this story, mm-hmm. that's that's a really great thing there. We know. I think the the heart of it, you know, is the idea of Buddy's family. But you see how Buddy affects everybody. Mm-hmm. You know how his joy and exuberance affects everybody else. We'll get back to that too. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Best quote. Who wants to go first on this? I'm just throwing this one out. All right. My favorite quote, and once again. Both times I watched it to prepare for this, the times I've watched it in the past, I just always love this. When Buddy is, his description of singing, okay, 
it's just like talking, except louder and longer. And you move your voice up and down. (laughs) (laughs) I love that quote. Yeah. Um, I'm going back to the scene with Peter in English. And there's (laughs) one of the lines... (laughs) That Will Ferrell says to Peter Dinklage. That kills me every every time I hear it. Does Santa know you left the workshop? (laughs) (laughs) Something about that line and the way Will Ferrell says it and what happens to Peter Dinklage's face kills me every single time. Yeah, does Santa know you left the workshop? (laughs) Oh. That that interaction is priceless <laughs> in this movie. Um, my best quote, I think, in the movie, and I say this way too often, probably, is when uh, Buddy is confronting the Santa at the store. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. Yes, I love that. He's just getting just more and more tore up. As he's dealing with his face, saying, you're not Santa. No, you're not Santa. I know him. <laughs> and I love that intense whisper. He delivers it yeah. in. Yeah. a throat of lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I say that way too much, probably oh. at the uh, wrong times, but that line just sticks with me from this movie. It's so hilarious. Well... I will lead him with my my biggest laugh because that's exactly where it comes from. Um, The way I describe it is when Buddy loses his sugar cookies (laughs) over Gimbal's Santa. And especially when he goes, you don't even smell like Santa. You smell like beef and cheese. (laughs) I just, I lose it. You know, there's so many m- moments you could pick from this, but that one's mine. So that's see, great. See, I've have seen this so many times that I think like weird things are hitting me differently now. Yeah. And so when when Buddy crosses traffic for the first time <laughs> and gets hit <laughs> by the cab, <laughs> it kills me. <laughs> I don't know why, but when Will Ferrell goes flying <laughs> off the hood of the cab, I die. I love this movie because it doesn't have cynicism. What's my, what's my best laugh when he gets hit by the cab? And the rest of the movie, he's weird about cabs. The yellow ones don't stop. That's true. That could be another best quote. The yellow ones don't stop. Oh, yeah. The yellow ones don't stop. Oh, that's funny. Oh, goodness. Now, my biggest laugh is a scene that we've talked about quite a bit, uh, and it is the entire confrontation between Buddy and Miles Finch. You know, you've got this absurd character of a children's author coming in, and he's got all these crazy demands, and he's just being a jerk. And Buddy is like, (gasps) and Peter Dinklage is losing his stuff one (laughs) One crap at a time, you know. <laughs> he must be a South Pole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they just finally he just attacks him. Call me an elf one more time. <laughs> oh, so we see a bit of the viciousness in this that you know Peter Dinklage has to bring out later in Game of Thrones for Tyrion, <laughs> 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 you know, bringing out the warrior here. <laughs> yeah, but that is my biggest laugh. I cackle. Every time that comes on. And my six-year-old, we were watching it the other day, and he was upside down on the couch, <laughs> red-faced, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good scene. It really is. Yeah. Oh, so the strangest moment, and, it's an, and now mine is not the elf beating up the elf, <laughs> um, but the strangest moment here is that Zoe Deschanel is actually living in an apartment store, kind of. <laughs> You know, just how does that even happen? Is there no security here? Do they not close? Is it like a Walmart? You're just open 24-7 and you just do what you do? Yeah. It, there's, que- there's questions there without answers. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bit. So that that's kind of just, you know, of all the other absurdness happening in this movie, that's just kind of one of the things I'm like, it's just kind of strange. Mine is when Buddy gets hammered in the mailroom. 
<laughs> um, from the time he goes, oh, I love syrup. Put, syrup why and don't coffee. Why do I think of syrup and coffee? <laughs> Everything that happens after that <laughs> is my strangest moment, including the dance scene. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yes. And those guys all come back later during the sing along at the end. Yeah. Yep, they all do. Yeah. All right. For my strangest moment, you oh. know, there's a lot of strange in this movie, okay? And I think sometimes I'm wearing 2019, almost 2020 glasses looking back at a 2003 movie. So the duet when she's in the shower. And he's sitting on this sink. From a perspective of today, especially singing Baby, It's Cold Outside, and since how much debate has been going over that song, it was strange. It was a little off-putting in some ways. you know. But once again, I'm looking from a modern perspective back at this movie. So I really think that that scene would never happen no. now in a movie. Nope. You know, and I know this was what what did we say this was 2003. 2003. So I mean, it's it's still a, a while back, you know, when you think in time in terms of time. But that scene would never have happened yeah. uh, in in a movie coming out now. And, and I don't think it even worked in 2003, except those two people were so naive. Yeah, right. They were so out there. And but now she did play the like, you creep. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Maybe it's because I'm naked. But, you know? but yeah, yeah, that's the thing. She confronts him later. So he's like, I didn't know you were. She, but did what are you doing there? Do, do the North Pole female elves not shower? Did Papa Elf not say, hey, listen, you d we know they've got toilets and bathrooms and stuff. Yeah, they <laughs> Didn't don't. Papa Elf ever say, listen, you don't go in there. That's the, for well, the girls. Well, I, I don't think the North Pole Elf ladies were flirting with Buddy very much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to say how relationships worked at the North Pole. Yeah. <laughs> you know how uh, naive he was. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't seem like Papa Elf ever had the talk. I don't yeah. think it was necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a strange moment, but it was so funny, too. It was so much fun. Yeah, but you're right. That doesn't get filmed, at least not in this way. No. Today. No. So, <laughs> there was lots of strange in this movie, but... <laughs> All right, well, let's connect this movie to Keanu. <laughs> I'm used to my setup, but we're rolling anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was focused on my notes. <laughs> All right, but there is a Keanu connection in Elf, and this wasn't one of the harder ones. Um, we've had some troubles, um, most notably the Star Wars movies, strangely. Um, but there is an actress in this movie that's been in a ton of stuff, TV and movies. Uh, Joan of Arcadia, 30 Rock, Justified, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's some range there. Philadelphia, Back to the Future 3, and Step Brothers. But most importantly, in 1989, Mary Steenburgen played Keanu's mom in Parenthood. No. <laughs> and there's your Keanu connection to you. That's great. She's got, I mean, shes I don't think she's in the IMDb Hall of Fame, but that's a pretty diverse selection yeah. of her filmography. It was kind of wild scrolling through that thing. I guarantee. And and everything from TV movies yeah. to big budgets to, you she know. She was in a Beastie Boys video. <laughs> <laughs> She's been about everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know how to work that in, but she was. She was in a Beastie Boys video. There we video. go. You just did. <laughs> there all right. Oh, well, that mercy. was our Keanu connection that I dropped the ball on, but I'm not going to drop the ball on keeping it 100. We've, uh, <laughs> you know, we do these shows uh, to to bring to light some movies maybe that we enjoy that we think you will enjoy that that you know might have slipped under the radar maybe. And sometimes seen. we do the holiday special anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we just do the holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can download now if you haven't, because a lot of people haven't. A lot of people haven't. <laughs> yeah, we see the numbers. We know a lot of y'all just skipped right past that one. <laughs> yep. All right. So, <laughs> that being said, 
um, with this time for our Keeping It 100, where we uh, kind of tell each other and you guys about uh, something that we've been enjoying lately. So, Sam, why don't you lead us off here? All right. So, I am starting now. Okay. So, uh, obviously, with the launch of Disney+, Plus. You know, we've been hearing a lot about The Mandalorian. We've been hearing a lot about, uh, you know, going back and being able to watch Gargoyles and X-Men, the animated series, and all these types of things. But the one show that has stood out to me, and I've loved every episode, is The World According to Jeff Goldblum. This series on Disney Plus has been fantastic. Goldblum, just in general, is a character to himself. He is quirky he is strange but he does such a fantastic job on this each episode focuses on something just he's interested in barbecue video games blue jeans sneakers (laughs) and you learn a lot from it and he talks to all these people about it and you understand the significance of sometimes things that we take for granted around us so if you've not been watching this already I cannot recommend any more highly than The World According to Jeff Goldblum. And that's my keeping it 100. I second that motion so hard. (laughs) That is such a fun watch. And I'm not going to single out which kid it is, but one of my kids, every time we turn on The Mandalorian, argues with us that she wants to watch Jeff Goldblum instead. (laughs) (laughs) Goldblum is, is having like a renaissance. You know, he he hosted the Late Late Show for James Corbin, uh, Corbin the other day. He's uh, he's going to be on the PBS about figuring out your your heritage, you know, your family. So he's on there. So, See, but this tells know. us how weird the '90s were. He was a sex symbol in the '90s. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there, there's the scene from so Jurassic bizarre. Park with the shirt and the you know. How did this happen? <laughs> how was that a moment that happened in our reality? <laughs> Well, we talked about Independence Day, so I mean, he was strange there. Yeah. <laughs> Very. But I, I, my, I think my favorite episode that was the denim episode. Oh yeah, that was good. There's just something magical about the things that happened to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, his face is the way he. I mean, it was just <laughs> the denim episode. I I love the the barbecue, the when he's learning about barbecuing. I don't think I've gotten that okay. far yet. Yeah, it's one of the newer ones. It's I think the newest one is is on gaming. Uh, and then the one right before that is barbecuing. Yeah. He he ends up with some interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Okay. Okay. Um, I will uh, go next, and uh, let me know when you're ready, Jenny. Okay. Go. Um, I would like to recommend an audio book of uh, the Modern Scholar series called Rings, Swords, and Monsters. I know we are a nerdy podcast, uh, so we are all the time looking at this fantasy sci-fi stuff. Uh, This book is by Professor Michael Drought and Henry Stogier, and this kind of breaks down uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, uh, the Earthsea series, a lot of our modern fantasy stuff. And how it relates back to classic, uh, you know, fantasy stories, mythologies, and how it relates to our world today, and even adapted into movies and stuff. But uh, it's uh, available. I got it through my library's uh, website, uh, you know, as a listener on, uh, you know, my my iPhone here. But Rings, Swords, and Monsters. Check it out. Cool. Um, I'm not going to take as long um, as I usually do. I, I think I feel like I milk every second out of this that I can. Um, mine's simple, straightforward. Yeah, so here we go. Ford v Ferrari. Um, oh, yeah. I finally saw it. I was I was waiting for somebody to go watch it with me, and uh, finally realized that it wasn't going to happen. So I went by myself um, to see Ford v Ferrari. I was the only person in the theater. Because oh. it's been out for a couple of weeks. Wow. And I realized that Star Wars was coming out this week, and it was going to be the end of Ford v. Ferrari in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw it, and the story is so compelling. Absolutely enrapturing. The acting is superb. People I did not know 
I, I did not know some of these actors. They were so compelling. Uh, just superb acting. Yeah. It's beautifully shot. Uh, Mangold is climbing the charts for me. I mean, climbing into that, you know, upper territory of directors. Um, if you can catch this this thing in theaters before Star Wars, you know, pushes everything else out, <laughs> do it. It's worth it seeing it on a big screen. It's mm-hmm. it's fabulous. Ford B Ferrari. Yeah, this is one of those movies that we've talked about um, on our uh, news episodes, mm-hmm. and really looks to be phenomenal and really raking up on the uh, tomato meter there. Yeah, the, it's it's phenomenal. It really is. Uh, it, I, and I, I think I mentioned this off air to to you fellas. This movie probably is is now my favorite Christian Bell performance. So, in all honesty, so um, I liked him as Ken Miles. It's I still love his role in the Prestige. Mm-hmm. It's one of the two, but this is in that same territory for me. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And poor Josh Lucas is still playing. Oh, that putts. He was Josh Lucasing all over the place. In yes, movie. very, very much so. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> Nobody plays smarmy jerk like Josh Lucas. That's right. <laughs> Well, guys, that's a pretty good range of things to check out. I mean, we have a movie theater. We have something you can stream on your personal devices or TV at home. And a listen, uh, an audio book there for our Keeping It 100. So, you know, there's plenty of good out there. So just keep your eyes and ears open into the ground. Our next quest we're looking really forward to as we've been building up in this year of Star Wars um, to the release of The Rise of Skywalker will be one of our next um, non-news or special, not the holiday special, but a holiday special <laughs> release. Uh, yeah, so uh, I know that's coming out here uh, in uh, the end of this week, so uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of our fellow nerds excited and checking that and, one out. And here's a hint. Uh Check for us before Monday for this. We might get this one early.